are listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. What does podcasting, recruitment, and talent have in common? That is the topic of the hour. Hello, good day, greetings, bonjour, and salams to peeps from all around the world. Welcome to the live. Now, this particular series is called Impact 2.0, where we feature some kick-ass leaders making a dent in the universe in their own special way. Stick around till the end, and I promise you that you'll walk away with at least one, if not more practical yet scrumptious takeaways from each of these live sessions. Like an ice cream sundae topped with heavy whipped cream, melted dark chocolate, and a dash of gold dust. But most importantly, if you turn up live, you'll get a chance to ask guests questions that are bugging you like an itch that can't be scratched. Now, my today's guest believes that it's simple. Do everything with integrity and positive intentions. Do what's best for your clients and candidates and the rest will fall into place. He's the founder of NHB Talent and host of Podcast Podcast. So will you please put your virtual hands together to welcome my fantabulous guest, Adam Posner. Amber, what's happening? Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. I love that intro. I love I love when podcasters, live streamers, when they they really put the effort into the experience. And I think that's really key and it translates across everything we do in content creation. Thinking about the end user and just having it be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like taking the extra steps to make it look good, to make it sound good, to make it exciting. So kudos to you and I'm excited to chat today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it means a lot coming from me because you are so experienced that I am just an amateur. I, I'm, I'm just no. <laughs> I don't like, I can't hear that anymore. Like, I'm like, I've been doing this for like three years. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a newbie. I'm a newbie. <laughs> but I guess, it's, I guess this world moves so fast that I guess considered an old timer at this point. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I love your show and I, I, I love learning from fellow live streamers, podcasters and all the things that they're doing um, uh, to, you know, to not only just educate us, but also entertain us. So um, I, I love that. So thank you for coming on the show today. Happy to now, be here. Before we get into the scones and jam of this conversation, we are going to start off the show with a quick fire round. Are you ready, Adam? Let's do it. I'm ready for some scones and jam. After. All right. Also, so which store would you max out your credit card if you absolutely had to? Oh, my God. Which store would I max out my credit card if I absolutely <laughs> had to? That's a that's a good one. Um, The Lego store. The Lego store. Oh. <laughs> and and if you if you see, I have I have my my Ghostbusters car there and you can't see it over there. I have a giant here. Look, you can see my giant spaceship is up on my. Oh, top wow. OK. Yeah. So the answer is obvious. <laughs> Okay, what can you do today that you were not capable of a year ago? Being able to call my own, have my own studio, have my own podcast headquarters. Oh, wow. Which I've been here for about three months, yeah. Oh, wow, that's so yeah. awesome Previously, to hear. Previously, I was out of a WeWork. I was, I was carrying my, my studio in a backpack, which I have right there. All right, and now, oh, so you've moved from WeWork to having your own. Oh, that is so super cool. Yeah, I, I think at some point I would like to have a proper studio as well. <laughs> a lot. Um, all righty. What is your greatest hope and biggest fear? <sighs> my my greatest hope is that I continue to have the success that I've been that I've built uh, recently, and my biggest fear is is losing it all on mm-hmm. on things that are out of my control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I'm sure this resonates with a lot of people. And this marks the end of the quick fire round. There we go. <laughs> All righty, Adam. So let's time to dive into the real jamming scones of this conversation. Let's do it. <laughs> now imagine, um, Adam, that I'm holding a pair of boxing gloves. Could you take these gloves from me and smash for me and not my face, please, but some kind of podcasting myth, a bogus strategy or a misconception and set the and record straight? I, I, I think I think what people are, are are focusing on too much sometimes is is growing is how to grow their audience and, and thinking about monetizing. It. And it's not just about ads. Mm. Uh, I think that a big thing people need to think about is how to monetize the guest 
instead of the audience. It's really hard to actually get over a certain amount of subscribers. It took me a long time to break, you know, the 5,000 mark on listeners, which I've done recently. It's hard. There's a very small percentage of shows that do that. So think about how to monetize a guest. Think about your show, how you could invite guests on that you want to do business with. Invite guests are going to be door openers to other relationships and start to change the way you think about it. Um, And one thing that I would do differently if Mm -hmm. I had to start all over again, I would have concentrated on building my community stronger and better from the beginning. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, I, and I'm glad you brought that up about uh, monetizing, you know, because I think it's, it's, it's the same with every business, whether if we're starting off, um, uh, uh, we've launched a new product or it's a podcast. And the first thing people go into is like, how can I, how can I monetize this? How can I, you know, yeah. how can I bring money in? And we forget about the value part of it. Exactly. <laughs> totally. And just deep straight into, um, you know, talking about money, which of course is the end goal. Um, but a sometimes. Lot, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. And, and I mean, with podcasting, I see podcasting as it's the same as when you've authored a book, right? When you've authored a book, it's not about the money you're going to earn is not from the sales of the book, right? It's not about you can give the book away for free. It doesn't. Right. It's, it's a press around. It's the excitement. It's what else? All those halo effects that we talk about. Exactly. It's what will come from it, the credibility, the connections, the relationships, the, um, the referrals, which, and it's the same. I see podcasts as the same channel. It's mm-hmm. that credibility channel, um, uh, which will bring a lot more, not just business, but relationships and so much 100%. more in return. A hundred percent. I mean, I talk about it all the time. The, the, the podcast fuels the business, the business fuels the podcast. It's one continuous loop of synergy that fuels each other. So, I mean, how did you fall into it? I mean, this, this is how you started your business or no. is you, like you realized you've got to have this? Like, what was the reason? No, behind? no, no, no. The pod, I, you know, I had the business. So, so, you know, I, I've been in recruiting for about six years. I've had my own company for about three and a half years. And the podcast has been around for a little over two years, just to give everyone a kind of a timeline there. Um, so the business was up and running before the podcast and the podcast came uh, on, on a bit of a, not so much a whim, but for the fact that I, I was, we're talking, you know, uh, early 2019, and I saw a lot of other podcasters out there, and I thought some of them were good, some of them were not so good. And I've always had an itch, Amber, uh, mm. to be a broadcaster, to have a show. And I said, you know what? I have such an incredible network of people in my life, professionally, personally, yeah. that why don't I tap into them and, and give this thing a shot? I had an itch. I needed to yeah. scratch. And the birth of the podcast, the podcast happened. Yeah. All right. It says, okay, so it, it, it was something you knew you wanted to do. It, it, yes. Short, short answer is yes. And I just took the step to do it. And my, my first ever show was literally, I recorded it via Zoom and there yeah. wasn't a lot of preparation. And, uh, I did it as the concept was, Amber, I wanted to show people what real networking looks like, mm. what a real networking conversation wow. looks like. So I reached out to somebody in my network, a gentleman by the name of Q, Quentin Alums. I don't know if you've seen him on, on the yes, platform. I have. Uh, he has a, this big hat that he, he used to wear. He doesn't wear it so yeah. much anymore. Yeah. And I said, hey, buddy, like, here's my idea. Let's just get on the phone on, on the Zoom and record it and show people how to do that. And that's what the episode was, the right. first episode. But Amber, yeah. what's kind of cool, and I've gone back and, and watched it a number of times, um, I literally predicted on the show, on episode one, what the future of the show was going to look like, and I actioned against it. Oh, wow. I said, this is what the show is going to be. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here are the type of guests that I'm going to have. And looking back on it, like, it's kind of my... um. Uh, my checklist that I did it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Cool. And 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 it makes sense with with what you're doing. Uh, you, you, you know, you recruit talent uh, for for organizations, and I and I guess uh, networking is a huge part of it. But now, as we know, all the networking has also gone virtual. I was actually listening to a couple of your episodes; they were quite interesting. Um, uh, point of view shared by your guests and 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 yourself as well. How it's how we now have to sort of do this networking virtually, um, which is obviously is different from face-to-face, different experiences. But at the moment, that's where it's heading. That's what's happening. What changes have you seen, um, positives or negatives, when it comes to talent recruitment since? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, the last year has been insane. And I think that I don't want to use the word unprecedented because I yeah. think it's overused. It's a buzzword, but everyone's had to pivot. That's another buzzword that we have to use. But it's really <laughs> true because we've had to take in-person interviews, in-person process, in-person employee experience, onboarding that whole, uh, you know, major component of, of somebody's 
uh, early days within a company and take mm. it completely remote. So there's yeah. some companies that have been doing it well for a long time pre-pandemic and they had the process down. Other companies, they weren't even, they, they didn't even fathom this was ever going to be a possibility mm. or something they've had to do. And they literally had to stop on a dime and change everything about their process. Some embraced it, some did it well. And I think there's a couple of pieces here that have made it uh, positive and negative. I think that the companies that embrace it and really understand that people are the lifeblood of their company, their current employees, any new employees coming in, and they really put the time, energy, effort, and resources into ensuring a smooth process. And they also listened, and they learned, and they adapted. And those are the ones that are going to succeed. But Amber, the ones that didn't, the ones that really kind of held on to this concept of everyone needs to be in the office all the time. Yeah. They're the ones that are struggling and they're the ones that are failing and they're the ones that are not going to come out of this strongly, uh, yeah. strong. And what we're seeing right now, and I call it the great talent migration. Hmm. And we're seeing this happen now where there are a lot of folks who they're been working remotely and we're opening back up around the world, mm-hmm. some sooner than later. And some companies are saying, hey, we want you back into the office full time. Hmm. Other companies are saying, hey, it's up to you. And then hmm. other companies are somewhere in the middle. But how a company acts, reacts, responds during hmm. the hard times is going to define their future. Yeah. Simple as yeah. that. It's simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think that's all part of innovation, isn't it? If we don't innovate, um, we die. And there's this, there's a lot of examples around us, um, and and it's not just you know it affects every part of the business from recruitment um, to keeping the right talent to growing to innovating product everything it it comes down to um, innovation and, and sort of 100%. staying ahead of what's happening. Um, I mean, look at Kodak <laughs> or um, what was that? Um, Blockbuster, right? I can't believe you know how how they went. I down used to love. I used to love Blockbuster. I mean, that was kind yeah. of part of it. It's funny too. I, it was funny. I was talking to my wife about the early days when we started yeah. dating. I was living. We were living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and there was literally a Blockbuster video at the bottom of our building, this big high rise apartment building. Yeah. And yeah. it was part of our routine on on a you know a Friday night to go downstairs and the experience of picking out a movie. But they did not innovate. And it's so yeah. funny too. I love to hear. I love hearing the stories of whether it be Netflix or. Um, you know, Instagram or Google. I think yeah. the story was that Google uh, turned down a, a, a like $1 billion offer from Yahoo, right? Like something crazy yes, like right, that, yes. like, right? Like, and, and just imagine how things would have, would have shifted there. But, you yeah. know, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason, for personally, a reason. professionally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, in, in in this current pandemic, we can see um, some, some companies dropped the ball as well. I would say Skype dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had a... It's a tremendous opportunity to capitalize and they did not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's about, you know, we have to, especially um, as founders, we have to stay vigilant about what's happening and be and be ready and adaptable uh, for that change because stubbornness is not going to get us anywhere. No, you have to, you have to be open to change. I mean, I did it with my yeah. business and, and it's funny too, Amber, I think about it a lot, like, you know, uh, putting aside in a respectful way, all the devastation, heartbreak, uh, illness, death, uh, disruption. Um, Mm. I'm thankful for the pandemic because if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would have been continuing to, with my business as usual, business Mm. as usual. Mm. But the pandemic uh, caused me and so many others to stop, to pause, to evaluate what I'm doing. Uh, And I spent the time, energy, and effort to reinvest into my business Mm. to build myself up professionally. I invested into executive coaching to learn and fill gaps of things that I wasn't great at or didn't know how to do. With my business expanding, I was never taught how to scale a business. I was never taught some of the foundational elements of business development. My business development is still primarily driven on relationships, and I do great at that. But Mm. there's other pieces that you need there, too, foundationally. I needed Mm. to learn how to scale. So I invested. I worked with an executive business coach who taught me those pieces. I invested Mm. into an office space. I invested into the show with content and Mm. distribution. And I wouldn't have done that without the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so wonderful to hear um, uh, the, the positives, uh, uh, you know, because everybody can talk about. I wish I had this. I wish this this didn't happen, you know. But we also have to look at okay, what what can we now do instead of that? Uh, right. And it's wonderful to hear because uh, you know it's um, uh, everybody learns from each other's experiences. Hundred percent. Um, and w- since we're talking about this, I wanted to find out, you know, you, you talked about, obviously, you, you recruit ta- talent. And um, 
in in talent because uh, I was having this conversation with David Breyer on LinkedIn the other day about how in schools we are taught um, the academia uh, the academic subjects but really do uh, are not taught subjects which really matter in life so I was thinking about from when you uh, recruiting talent point of view like when you're looking for talent what are the things you're looking you're looking for is it just the skills or or their specific knowledge in in, in certain subject or the other skills like communication sales negotiation 100%. skills matter as well i mean there's the hard skills and the soft skills by the time yeah. you're having a conversation with me on the phone we're already assuming the fact that you're qualified on paper for the job okay from a skills perspective i could tell that on your resume i could tell that on your linkedin profile right if i'm Recruiting for a doctor, I'm not looking at, at, at you know, plumbers, you know, no mm-hmm. offense to plumbers, right? Like, you know, the skill set that you're looking for for that mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. The, the number one thing, underrated skill that I hear from my clients mm-hmm. is the concept of being inquisitive, people being naturally curious. When mm-hmm. someone is naturally curious, that leads them to being a problem solver by asking the right questions, mm-hmm. by saying, hey, why isn't this working? Can we do this better? Can we try something different? And it starts with the job interview. At the end of every interview, a candidate is given an opportunity to ask questions. That is gold. That mm-hmm. is a whiteboard. That is an opportunity that's carte blanche into framing up two things. One, making sure that you're set up for success if this is the right role for you, but yeah. really putting yourself in a great position by asking great questions, yeah. asking about the role, what the role, what success looks like in this role, real strong questions about the role, the people, the culture. That's your opportunity mm-hmm. to shine. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, would you do you um, also recruit graduates for organization, or is it the you're looking at a different level? You hire. I I, I rarely recruit entry level at this point in my career, um, but when I do it occasionally, I actually enjoy it. I love keeping in touch and in tune with the young. I sound so freaking old now, Amber, but in <laughs> tune with the with the younger generation because I want to see what's happening, what they're feeling, and I think that helps me as a recruiter, helps me as a host on a show that focuses on talent and recruiting to really still be in touch. But I, I rarely recruit entry level at this point. Okay. Okay. The, uh, I was listening to one of your uh, podcast episodes. I remember you mentioning that how, um, because I actually didn't think about it, but this is happening, that previously the way recruiters hired or the jobs uh, uh, were offered uh, depend on where you were geographically situated. So so your salary depends on where you are located, right? New, New Yorkers get paid more for, I don't know. Somebody it's a cost of living. Paid. It's a cost of yeah. living cost of living right but that's changing with with, with so. the digital uh, working so how how does this affect and what you know who's got the upper hand can we balance this situation like it's a great you know. question it, it, it's a great question because it's, it's a double-edged sword for companies mm-hmm. because i have a lot of companies and clients that say hey listen i want to recruit in my geographic area right now because i know that eventually it's going to open and we are an on-site office they're in the mm. creative space. There's a lot of collaboration there. Yes, they're going to figure out what that looks like from a hybrid scenario to make sure that everyone feels comfortable there. I have other clients where they're in the digital space and it doesn't matter where people live. It's completely agnostic. They could do the job here. They could do the job anywhere as long as they're available to connect within a time zone. We call it kind of following the sun philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Like you could be in California and the company could be in New York and you're just kind of adjusting your time zone. Maybe yeah. you get up a little earlier, you stay up a little bit later. So you're available for collaboration. So for when it comes down to compensation, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. There's some schools of thought that say, hey, listen, it doesn't matter if I live in the middle of the country mm. where cost of living is low versus New York. Most of the people mm. that say that are people that live in the middle of the country. But mm. if I live in New York, hey, listen, if I'm living in New York, their cost of living is higher. It's just a fact. Mm. It's just a straight up fact. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of torn on this one, but what it has done, there are companies that adjust and say, "Hey, listen, this pandemic has given us the the foresight, and mm. not just the foresight, but also the the openness to say, hey, listen, we're open to people. Work. We've seen it. We could work remotely. We could mm. collaborate remotely. So mm. why not open up the talent pool? And mm. to our advantage, if we could if we could find amazing talent somewhere outside of our geographic area, mm. at a lower cost, and when I when I say this is, it doesn't mean we're underpaying that person by any means mm-hmm. whatsoever, because they're still getting a very fair salary for where mm-hmm. they live. Mm-hmm. So there's two sides to that. There's two different schools of thought. Some people will say, "Hey, listen, why the hell does it matter where I live? You should pay me the same as if I was in New York, California, San Fran, Miami. It doesn't matter." Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't really take a side on this. I I like to take it on a case specific basis based on that client, what the job is, and what type of company it is. But but do you not think that uh, people who live in expensive cities where the cost of living is higher, they are going to lose out 
because uh, you know there's if people can fi- if companies can find talent el- elsewhere and they know cost of living is cheaper they don't they don't have to compensate them as much it's true it's happening it's happening it's- and i call it the great talent migration and it's working in many yeah. different ways there are people that are going to move jobs because their current employer is opening back up their office and they don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Or in some cases, let's call the other side of the coin. There are companies that are not opening back up and they're doing fully remote. Amber, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, and I don't think we talk about this enough, that love being yeah. in an office. Yes. They love yes. going to work. They yes. love collaborating. Maybe they yeah. don't have a great setup at home. Maybe they're surrounded. Maybe they don't have in- little things like internet to yeah. the extreme of they don't want to be surrounded by their kids all day. Exactly. exactly. That they have a great environment to work. And there's another piece that people aren't talking about. It's, New employees who are hurting Hmm. and younger workers out there. Yes. Younger workers at a complete disadvantage right now because they're not getting that one-on-one in-person mentorship. Remotely, when a new employee comes on board, unless their manager is so dedicated, they're distracted. They're distracted Hmm. at home. They're distracted by their own performance, making sure they're up to speed. Think about yeah. all those people that are homeschooling kids right now and they're trying to balance their workload, <laughs> their individual their individual contributor performance workload. And on top of that, they have to train new employees. Yes, it's bloody Listen, hard. We, it, it's bloody hard. And, and I think that this is what we're seeing. We're seeing the effect on new employees. Now, on the flip side of that, I've seen so many companies that have done amazing hiring in the last year, great job onboarding and really being dedicated. It's really the onus is on the company to put the effort and the priority on the hiring and the onboarding and the training. Yeah, yeah. Remotely. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I, 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 in your experience, like, are you seeing that the organizations are getting on top of it? Because that's a huge change. You yeah. Know? That's a and, huge and, change. Yeah, so, some, some do it well and some have not. It really comes down to management and leadership, putting mm-hmm. it as a priority and putting their people first. And here's the other piece too. It's really hard for management because when we think about attrition, mm-hmm. with migration, with people leaving, when someone leaves a company, when someone quits, when someone gets hired, and someone gets when someone gets fired, the rest of the team has to pick up that slack. Yes. So if a company's not investing into the hiring process, you're only hurting the retention of your current employees and their happiness and satisfaction, mm-hmm. which affects culture, values, everything. It's 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 a downward spiral. It's a very downward. quick. Yeah. And, and But I wonder how organizations can cope with this situation because, you know, like you said, some employees prefer to come at work, come to work because of distractions at home or whatever. There's gazillions of reasons not to of be course. at home. Uh, and then there's some who prefer because they had to travel two hours to get to work. And now they think, okay, I, I, I'd rather just save on those uh, two hours each way. Um, so, um, I mean, then now it's, now you're dependent on your, on your organization to provide that support. And that organization also has to rely on government regulations um, uh, to what's permissible, what's not. So there, there, there it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation. Hundred um, uh, percent. Yeah, you I know mean, how much? How much can you comply with? Is it worth it? it? To me, I think it comes down to this. You know, are organizations thinking about is it worth uh, uh, making arrangements for this so that we get to keep this talent? Or shall we just not bother about the talent? We can always hire somebody else and we're going to do what we want to do. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that latter (laughs) approach. I mean, it really comes down to your people. And I think companies that truly embrace people first, always people first, the people are your product, your people are your livelihood. I mean, your lifeblood, it's all about that. Because that's a difference, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if you have two manufacturing companies that are making the same product, you have two manufacturing companies making Post-its and you're an employee in the Post-it business, Mm -hmm. which one do you want to work for? Someone that puts mm-hmm. their people first and cares. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. what it comes down to always. And people like get it, get it. And, you know, we are not in the 1940s. We're not in the industrial revolution. Yeah. Nine to five is going out the window. I mean, these are constraints built on uh, such ancient thoughts and mm-hmm. mindsets. I mean, it, it's fascinating to watch this migration. And, and I think the pandemic was just what we needed Yeah, in many yeah. ways. In many ways, ways, Amber. Yeah, for for organizations to revamp, I I, t- I truly do believe that that 100%. it has forced organizations to think differently, to do more for their people. It's it's it, they weren't on on the program yet, but pandemic has forced. It was them. a slap in the face that a lot of them needed. Let's call it what it is. It was a wake up <laughs> call, and a lot of companies have gone completely downhill. And you know what? Maybe it was a kick in the ass that they needed. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, absolutely. And I and I think uh, which brings us to the point that organizations now need to be more visible with what they stand for, and um uh, and what can they do for their workforce. What do you it's, think? It is it is the moment for companies to step up. This is the time to shine. I said it before, how a company reacts during the hardest times will define their future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, uh, and I, I guess, do, do you think that um, uh, it's only uh, who can benefit, like as, as people who are looking for jobs or who are looking to switch jobs, can they really uh, benefit from this situation or or is, can they work it to the advantage or it's something that uh you know you know it's 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 it depends there's more people out there out of jobs so really they don't really have an advantage like yeah let's let's let's, let's break this down a little bit and it's not yeah. so much a myth i think it's just looking into the numbers amber yeah. we've seen record unemployment globally and if mm. we're talking about unemployment here in the US i think it's important to break down where those unemployment numbers are coming from which mm. sectors and which industries let's break that down for a moment Hmm. Travel, hospitality, tourism, sports, restaurant, food and bev, and all the ancillary industries and services that support those industries. Hmm. That's where we're seeing the unemployment. Hmm. Where we're not seeing unemployment, where we're seeing the exact opposite is the industry that I work in. Digital marketing, direct-to-consumer marketing, subscription-based marketing, performance marketing and media. It's never been hotter. Hmm. If you think about it, during the pandemic, everything shifted to online. Mm-hmm. Anything that was an online service, online companies, direct-to-consumer marketing has exploded. So candidates are now in control. Candidates have the choice, passive candidates, to say, I'm not happy here. I'm going to yeah. go to another job, and I'm going to demand more money. Mm-hmm. I have so many roles open that are really hard to fill. Wow. And people say, Adam, is it the record unemployment? I go, not in my industry. <laughs> and my client, some clients understand this, and some clients have a really hard time wrapping their head around this, Amber. They yeah. think that every they think that there's tons of people out there that are just chopping at the bit to to work for their company. Mm. That's not the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fact. totally, agree. yeah, um, agree with that. That um, uh, it's 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 an opportunity if you know where to look and right. um, and what to do. Um, certainly just sticking with the old ways, it's not going to work out or, you know, that you, if you end up losing your job, uh, at some point, it may be very hard to then get back into it, uh, because, you know, other people have, o- were already on board, um, with what's happening and they've sort of, you know, taken your place, <laughs> um, in a sense. Um, but yes, um, I think for certain uh, sectors, it's uh, the pandemic has has been, uh, what you say, quite gracious uh, in a way to bring a lot of business because there's been a, well, you know, we were majority of the businesses. Well, I wouldn't say majority, but at least the on the businesses, uh, online businesses were already there. But now the pandemic has forced the offline businesses who were 50% of where of them were still not uh, on digital to pivot to digital, which means that uh, all those media related um, services are now in demand to help uh, exactly. other businesses and <clears throat> uh, and individuals um, be more visible and um, and well, spread their message. Yeah. It's a big shift in how we in how we do everything. Digital presence is everything, and we see it uh, on LinkedIn. The rise of the personal brand, the rise yes. of the personal brand, and that's the one that gets me because, to me, personal brand is your reputation. It's what people yeah. are saying behind your back. It's what impression you're leaving, folks. Yeah. But it's really spawned a cottage industry on LinkedIn of personal branding coaches and career coaches and mindset coaches because I think there's a lot of people out there that are out of work or are looking for a side hustle and they see a couple of people succeeding at it optics wise. You're not looking Mm. at their bank account. Mm. You're not looking at their ledger to see if they really are making money, Mm. but it looks easy. It looks like something they could do. And you're seeing a lot of unqualified people trying to come across as qualified and experts and things they have no business talking about. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a real, it's a real travesty in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I've seen a, a lot of these uh, uh, as well. It seemed like that ev- every every um, uh, person is now a personal branding coach. It seems like literally everybody. I, I'm like, <laughs> and and so the really funny part too is I, I see a lot of these people talking about it, and then I go to their pages, and I'm like, 
where's where are the results? And I always yeah. urge people, like wh- whether it comes to coaching, mentorship, hiring somebody, just make sure that the person that you're hiring has the qualifications, they have the experience, and you want somebody who is has achieved a level of success that you're aspiring to, or mm. has achieved a point of of being in a certain position that you're trying to do. Simple as that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's not to say, that's not to say I have to be careful here that somebody who's just starting in coaching doesn't yeah. know what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So maybe they bring a wealth of experience, a wealth of, mm-hmm. of knowledge and insights and training that you just don't see on paper. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with hiring. I mean, we talk about this all the time, character over skill. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at a job description and it says two to three years, you know, say it says 10 years experience, but somebody has been doing it for five years, but they're just awesome at it. Mm-hmm. Why should you reject them just based on that and hear them out? Like, it's a similar concept, but I always come down to just telling people to do your due diligence. Yeah. Do your due diligence. Yeah. And of course there are different levels of, um, you don't always have to hire at the top level. There are different levels you can hire at, be it coaches you're hiring or be it employees for your uh, company. Right. Um, uh, And, but even for people starting off, you know, I just say that all you have to start off is is helping one person, right? If you have helped one person and you can highlight that, right? That's a start. It that's is a start, start and everyone needs a start. I needed to make my first yeah. hire in recruiting. People need their first hiring and coaching. Everyone needs that start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's it's not like all doom and gloom if you don't have, uh, you know, a gazillion case studies or... Uh, no, you got, you, got, you got to start somewhere. I mean, I, you know, when I, when, I, when, I, when I went out of my own business, I needed my first client to believe in me. And I still like, I hold that client in the highest regard because they believed in me and they took a chance on me. Yeah. And so I do have an empathetic and sympathetic side to that. Yeah. But not when people are trying to take advantage of others. So there, there's a balance. Yes, there. there's a balance. Yeah, yeah. And I think sure. when your name starts <clears throat> to come up in conversations, that's what, that's, that's, that's building a brand. That's when, you know, you know, when if somebody says, you know, if somebody asks for it, do you know, do you know somebody who can help me launch my podcast? Um, and take it to number one, I don't know, on Apple, uh, on iTunes or whatever. And then somebody gives a name. Now your name is coming up in conversations. Right. That's when you know you have built a brand. Yeah, it, it, it's cool. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm starting to see a little of that myself. And it's hard for mm-hmm. me to, uh, I mean, I had a post this morning. I had this wonderful young lady in India who reached out to me about a month ago. And she's like, Adam, I love your show. You've inspired me to create my own show. I'd love to have you as a guest on my show. I'm like, it, it was hard for me. It was, and I'm really trying not to sound like a jerk when I say this. It was hard for me to hear somebody say that I inspired them, especially like all the way around the world. Yeah. But that's the power of, of podcasting. That's the power yeah. of LinkedIn. That's the power of social media that it breaks down walls. Yes. That you could communicate with somebody like I'm, I'm communicating with you thousands of miles away instantly. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Right, that's a bright side of this. And I also think that the pandemic has brought everyone online and made our world a lot smaller place and more connected. Like <laughs> yeah. you talk about the silver linings of it, the pandemic. You talk yeah. about, you know, uh, the rise of Clubhouse, reconnecting people audio wise, like reconnecting mm-hmm. conversations. Yes. The rise of podcasts. I think more podcasts have launched in the last year than, you know, in the last five years. Yes. Because people are home and they want to communicate. Yeah. And they're trying new things and experimenting. And I always urge people when it comes to podcasting, Amber. Mm-hmm. If you have an itch, scratch it. If you mm. want to try something, try it. The mm. barrier to entry to start a podcast is so low. When I started with my podcast, it was literally on Anchor for yeah. $8 a month. My Blue Yeti mic I have there, the camera that's on the top of my MacBook right here, and that's it. No editing, nothing fancy, no fancy studios, no sure yeah. SM7B mics here, none of that. Yeah. But I built it up, and I enjoyed it. And I always tell people, if you once you stop enjoying it, and you don't have the time to dedicate to the process because it's a lot of work podcasting. Yeah, I make yeah. it look easy here, but they don't see what's on the other side. <laughs> if you lose the passion and it becomes not fun for you, stop yeah. immediately. Yeah, because it'll come through in your voice, it'll come through in the product of your show, and it'll come through to the guests, and ultimately the audience will hear it as well, and they will not enjoy your show, and there's no point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bad product, poor yeah. product. It's yeah, and, and and you're so spot on about that. If that if you have an uh, itch, you know, didn't scratch it immediately. And I, I think for me, I started doing this um, lives September or October uh, last year. I did my first ever. And why? Ever. And why? Why? Why did you do it for the first time? And, and for me, it, it it was that same thing, that itch that yeah. I was like, you know what? I I want to do this. I want to connect with people. I want to. 
I want to share their stories and learn from them. And, and but for me, the barrier was the video because I hated being a video. I just I would not shoot videos. Me too. I mean, I, I had a problem with video too. I mean, I really yeah. I really did. It took me a while to feel to feel comfortable. And there's times that I don't. Yeah. You know, there 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 are times that I don't. I mean, I'll be I'll be a, a quick quick little story. Yeah. Um, Monday, I, I I recorded one of my my I would say it's going to be my biggest interview to date with somebody that everybody knows. Been working on the show for a long time. I'm not ready to, to announce okay. who that is yet. It's going to be a surprise, and there was no way in hell that I would I would be able to reschedule this show on on my own. And, and Sunday we're out in the garden, and um um I the stupidest mistake. I have a giant 25 pound uh, hanging plant pole that I'm holding, yeah. and I lean it down. I turn my back for a second when I should have put it on the floor, and the thing comes and it whacks me across the nose here. I have a big gash in my nose here, yeah. and it almost hit me in the eye. And I thought I broke my nose. Yeah, and I was like, holy crap, like. I was like, I'm bleeding everywhere. I was like, yeah. I thought my nose was broken. I'm like, all I was thinking about was not myself. Mm. I was thinking about that I would have to cancel the show the next day mm. with this mm. guest. Yes. But luckily, yeah. it all worked out. All and out. I'm like, I can't look on camera with two black guys and everything. But ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, it's the, it's the audio, right? The podcast yeah. is the audio. And that's yeah. the majority of what people are going to listen to. And the show must go on, Amber. And the show must go on. Yeah. I like, uh, yeah, I like that attitude that, you know, figure out a way, you know, um, and it's, I would have just put, I would have put on, honestly, I thought about it. If I had two black guys, I would have put on sunglasses and done the yeah. show and it would have been a funny <laughs> story. It would, it would have been, it would have been a funny story. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, everybody's, we're, we're all wearing masks these days. You could have even covered it all, you know, have the mask on, sunglasses on and you're something. On. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, <laughs> it, it came out great. I'm, I'm excited for this show. It's, um, it's a special one. I think it's going to resonate with everybody. When is it coming out? I don't know. I just got it back from, uh, I just sent it to the editor yesterday. I recorded it Monday, sent it to the editor yesterday. And uh, within the next two weeks, you'll, you'll, you'll see it. You'll know. You'll know exactly right. what I'm talking about. Everyone, awesome. the whole world will know. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. And those of you who uh, want to check out um, Adam's podcast, it is thepodcast.com. There it is. You got yes. it. And you could always, if you're uh, interested in recruitment and talent, you can always check him out at on his website nhbatalentgroup.com my two my two middle children right there you do. <laughs> i call them i call i well i call i call i call nhp talent group which is the umbrella for everything that's that's my middle child it was born in between my two kids the company yeah. is named after my daughter these are her initials Nina All right. and Posner. and uh my son's gonna you know he's almost three he's gonna get to a point i'd say maybe by five where he's gonna be like daddy why is the company named after nina and not me <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to figure something out, Amber. I'm gonna have to start a new company yeah, or no come up with the Oliver Group or some kind of subsidiary just to make them happy. Yeah, yeah. keep them all happy. You don't want to come out as you know favoriting one. No, <laughs> I mean I literally wear my daughter's initials on my hat. He'll realize soon enough. <laughs> so, so, all right. I wanted to um, talk to you more about since you touched upon it, the power of podcasting. And so what, what has it done for you and what can you share with others that it can do for others? Um, it's opened up everything. Um, but th there's a couple of things. There's the business side and the personal side. It has given me the, I should say this, it has increased my confidence, my ability to communicate. I've always been a good communicator, but it keeps me quick. The ability to have conversations like this, to keep it real, to be in touch, to be in tune. Uh, and from a business side, it's just been an incredible business development tool. I've been able to book guests on my show that I want to do business with and mm. open up relationships and build business with them and partnerships. Mm. Uh, it's given me a platform to establish myself as a thought leader in the industry, but more mm. importantly, Amber, to showcase real thought leaders in the industry. And I just benefit as a halo effect of having this stage here to shine mm. the light on them. Mm. Uh, and it's just opened me up uh, to audiences, to worlds, you know, across the world countries across the world to people yeah. uh, and build my brand and have a platform and a, and a stage to uh, talk about things. So let's talk about the actual tactics. Like how long did it take you to get that recognition? Like how many episodes did you have to do it regularly? Like what's so, going behind this? So it's consistency. Like anything else in life, it's consistency and muscle memory. And I always tell people, if you're going to do a show, you have to have consistency because as the audience grows, they're going to want to hear more in theory. Mm -hmm. It's a good show. They're going to want to hear more. So mm -hmm. if you're putting out only one show a month, no one's going to listen to it. They're not going to wait around for it. Hmm. So I, I always tell people the cadence is really weekly. You want to have a show at least weekly. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of work to do mm. that. And you realize that early on. Uh, so a big tip I give any new podcaster is have at least eight to 10 shows done, or as we like to say mm -hmm. in the business, in the can. Mm -hmm. Have those shows done, produced, and ready to go. 
And when you launch your show, a piece of advice that I received, which I didn't take uh, till later on, um, was put out five shows right away. Because if people like your first show, they want more to listen to right away, get them hooked in and then have more to go. Always be at least five weeks ahead. You need that buffer zone. Say something comes up in business or life where you have to, you can't do it. You don't want to be recording show to show week to week. I record Mm. in batches. Mm. There's some weeks I'll record three shows, four shows. I won't record for two weeks, but I'll have all those shows ready to go. I'll have Mm. time to produce them. And I batch all my production together. I'm not sending off one show at a time. Right, right. Very rarely, unless I have a gap in scheduling, but very rarely. It's always a batch of shows because that also makes me more efficient. Yeah, yeah. I'm sending out a batch of shows to the editor a batch of shows to the creative team. Yeah. And I'm able to block and tackle my own schedule. So I'm not spending time here and there all over the place. Yeah. The other greatest piece of advice I got regarding podcasting was from one of my recruiting mentors, uh, a a great guy by the name of Jordan Paris. Interestingly, Jordan is probably 10, 15 years younger than me. And I think it's incredible to just be okay with that. Like, Mm. why shouldn't I learn from somebody who's 15 years younger than me, who's Mm. awesome at what they're doing. But Jordan said to me, Amber, he said, make it to 50 shows. Push yourself to 50. Right. And now I'm approaching 160. So like made it to 50, make it to 100, make it to 150. Yeah. Set attainable goals for yourself yeah, and tackle them. And uh, would you say like once a week is enough? Like if you were to say, you know, start off with five, like you say, and then schedule once a week, that's a good schedule. I, I, I think I think once a week and, 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 and you want people to know when your show's coming out. My show's come out Friday morning. Yeah. People like to listen over the weekend. I adjusted that pre-pandemic. I was going out on two Mondays or Tuesdays because yeah. people were commuting and they had it for the week. So I yeah. shifted that because you have to follow the patterns and trends of mm. when people are listening. Yeah. So be a student of your analytics too. Retention rates. Right. Keep an eye because a lot of people ask me, Amber, how long should my show be? Mm-hmm. I've seen people crush it with two-minute shows. They're putting out a two-minute show every single day, which is real quick. Highlights, tips, yeah. news, facts, yeah. done. They kill it. Yeah. Millions yeah. of downloads. Yeah. Some people say, Adam, your shows are are long. Some of your shows are almost an hour. Some of your shows are half an hour. How do you find that cadence? There's two things there. One, it's a long long format show. So if I have an interesting guest and we're continuing to have a conversation, I won't cut it short. Mm -hmm. I'd rather do two parts than Mm -hmm. cut it short. And you also have to look at the data. I am able to tell. I use Simplecast. I'm able to tell the average percentage of how how long people listen to the episode. Mm -hmm. And I want to see that number at least 75%. That people are listening to the end. Okay. People get cut off. They're in a car. They don't have enough yeah. time. There's always reasons for that. But 75% is a great number, meaning 75% mm-hmm. of the people listen to the end of the show. Great number. Yeah. And if you see those numbers start to dip and you see your average show is too long, bring it back down. Okay. Right. And there's some shows that I do that are half an hour. There's some shows. It just depends. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the conversation. Okay. And and, and so uh, if somebody's launching, because we are about to launch a, a, a podcast as well, um, and, and, and there's like gazillion um, platforms that you can launch right. uh, with, what has your experience been with these platforms? Yeah. Um, I started on Anchor. And uh, yeah. for me, it's a great platform for people to start on. But back then, but I actually would advise against it right now, because if you look in the terms and conditions, Anchor actually owns your content. Technically, they own your RSS oh, right. feed. So I don't recommend Anchor at all. Back then, okay. I did. I migrated to Simplecast. I like Simplecast. It's perfectly good. Some people like it. Some people don't. Um, Podbean, Lisbon is great too. So it's either Simplecast, Podbean, or Lisbon are the two are the three platforms I recommend. And, good and- analytics, fair cost, and those. And just to be clear, everyone, these are hosting platforms. These are the yes. platforms where you upload your show, and then it gets distributed out to all those platforms you think about. Here's another podcasting myth that I want to break, which was yeah. taught to me by another one of my recruitment, uh, one of my podcasting mentors, Hala Taha, host of the Young and Profiting Show. Hala's awesome. People get hung up on Apple. Mm. Apple, iTunes is not the end all be all of podcasting. There's, in mm. fact, a lot of people that hate Apple. They don't like mm. the interface. They're not into Apple, Apple, anything mm. Apple, and they listen elsewhere. Yeah. These sub platforms, and we're talking Spotify, SoundCloud. Yeah. The big one for me lately has been a, a platform called uh, Castbox. It's actually the third or fourth largest platform yeah, that people never heard about. about it as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've gained twenty two thousand subscribers on that in the last six months. Oh wow! And it's incredible. You know, hundred thousand plus downloads on that. I mean, it's really, it's really to think about the other platforms globally. Not everyone yeah. has an iPhone in their hand. Yeah, yeah. I think love about that, the right? rest of the world. Think about like other people aside from your own small. You know, think, don't always think about how you consume. Think about how other yeah. people consume. And that'll change the dynamic. Once you get out of the Apple mindset, everything's going to change. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't forget, 
the the smaller uh, distribution channels. Oh, there's such gold. There's riches in the niches, as I like to say, Amber. There's riches in the niches. There's gold in them mountains. You got to dig it out. I hope that if nothing else that people get this takeaway, they listen to this part of the show um, and get that, that it's not just about iTunes. There is other ways to distribute uh, your. Yeah. And and think about your own, your own page too. I mean, I drive a lot of traffic to the podcast.com, which has a built in native player. I mean, I get a lot from that too. And and I drive SEO there um, and and it's been a big home for me, but you don't have to have a webpage. I did not invest into that webpage till I crossed that 50, 60 episode mark. And I mm. knew I was going to stick with it because it was a time and financial commitment to building out the web page. Mm. I have a web guy that I use that maintains it weekly. I have to pay him the web hosting mm. fees. There's a lot yeah. of costs people don't think about. Yeah. yeah. There's a team. I mean, I have, I have a six-person team for my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It, a lot of work uh, goes into it. Creative, uh, audio, producing, you know, content. There, there's a lot of pieces to it yeah. and managing them all. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, saying that, you know, um, it, it's just a, it's it's just to a, a reminder to let people know that it's just like anything else, business, everything. It takes effort and lots of work. We don't want to be p- putting people off from doing this, but yes, if you are thinking about doing podcasts, uh, know that you have got to put the effort in, or it's not going to work. Basically. Like any, like anything else in life, you have to put the effort in. Like anything else in life. Alrighty, a quick note that this show is sponsored by Amplifyology, previously known as Repurposed In helping you become favored brand and not just the cheapest option in your market through arming you with tools to amplify your voice on multi-channels using hype generating, scroll freezing, and notably surprising social content that makes trusting your brand like stealing candy from a baby. Now, folks, it is that time of the interview for us. And you may be thinking, what, is it gossip time or... you know, share the fun pickup lines time or tell an embarrassing joke time. Unfortunately, we are not that type of a show. Well, not yet anyway. No, you got to get there. (laughs) Exactly. But what it is time for is... The 48-hour challenge time. So, Adam, from your experience, what is that one thing that our viewers and listeners can implement in the next 48 hours that helps them amplify their voice? Let's talk about LinkedIn. Let's talk about the job search. Let's talk about positioning yourself as a thought leader in the industry. Here's a really, really easy tip to do. Go onto LinkedIn. I have my LinkedIn open right now. I'm looking at it. On the right-hand side, there's a thing that says LinkedIn News. Find an article that's relevant to you. Find an article that's relevant to your industry. Take that article, repost it, but don't just hit share, repost Use it as an opportunity to add your point of view, what you think about it, right, wrong. What are the implications? What are the actionable takeaways there? Post it, position yourself as a thought leader, give your point of view, make yourself heard and position yourself as a thought leader within your industry. I love that tip. I love that tip. Easy peasy. It's right there. It's right. People struggle with content. It's right there. It's right to the right of your screen. It's right there. Yeah. I have a pet peeve when people just reshare things and they literally copy the headline of the first two sentences. I'm like, I could do that myself. I don't need you to do that. And you're devaluing. You're not, you're not adding any value. Always yeah. be adding everything in life. Everything yeah. in life always add value. How yeah. can I add value? How can yeah. I make something better? How can I improve yeah. upon something? How yeah. can I give somebody else that aha moment? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's all about that. It, giving somebody else an aha moment. And this is a great tip, by the way, I need to do more of that myself. Um, but th- this is, this is, a, I guess uh, what you've shared is an easy way. If you're thinking about, I don't know what to share. I don't know what to talk about. Well, here you go. Adam's just shared a great tip about uh, the newsfeed section uh, on your LinkedIn. So many easy ones. So many easy yeah. ones. It's low hanging fruit, Amber. Low hanging fruit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And is this, I mean, in your, um, uh, for yourself, like how long have you been uh, active on LinkedIn for? I've been on I've been on LinkedIn since 2006. Um, you know, I've been in social media for a long time and always been a fan of emerging platforms. So, you know, I got involved in LinkedIn late 2005, 2006, but really active, active from a from a creator standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been in recruiting for about six and a half years. So, uh, using it as a platform to recruit, but from yeah. a content creation standpoint, it's been about you know three and a half years or so. And what have you seen? What's what's happened and what's changed for you in the past three and a half years? Just how many people are, are utilizing the platform and understanding that it's not just a resume job place, but really content learning and connecting. 
yeah 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 and and, and that's why people if you, <laughs> if you've got any doubts about where you know where you uh, want to be amplifying your voice or what you uh, what you need to be doing for your business get on this platform 100% um, and check out uh, Adam's podcast as well um learn from it if you're starting into podcasting it's, it's <laughs> i'm learning from him every day it, 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 i'm learning too I, I i mean i talk about it all the time the podcast is my master class it's my mba i mean i have an opportunity to learn from i get to interview people that i want to talk to yes. that's the way i look at it i i, I have yeah. an opportunity in a platform to interview people that i want to have a conversation with yeah and i reach out to them i got i got t- tucker max for example tucker max the show's out i haven't really published a lot of publicity around mm-hmm. it Episode 147 is out. If you don't know Tucker Max, he was a really big author back in uh, uh, early 2000s, wrote a bunch yeah. of these frat tire type books. Big yeah. fan of him. He's now the co-founder of Scribe Media, which is the number one self-publishing platform. Yeah. And he's somebody I've always wanted to talk to and have on the show. I got denied the first time about eight months ago. And they said, try back again in six months. All right. And I set <laughs> a reminder. I set an auto scheduler right yeah. then and there on my Gmail. Yeah. The email went out. I forgot the email was even going out and I got a response back and they said, yes, he'd love to be on your show. And we did it. Never oh. underestimate the power of follow-up. Love that. Love that. Love that. And it's a great episode. It's such a, I look back on that. I listened to it again. I mean, it came out like a week ago, but yeah. I, I listened to it again. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, I, I had an opportunity to interview, not a hero by any means, but somebody that I admired from, mm. you know, uh, who was a great writer. Yeah. Yeah. We shared that. a great story. And it was a fantastic, open, honest and fun conversation. And that's what I love about doing the show, having having the opportunity to interview the folks like that. Yeah. I think it's a great platform to have the have real conversations and build relationships mm-hmm. with people uh, that you not only want to be in business with, but maybe look up to um, exactly. for various reasons. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. It's, it's been a, a wonderful chat. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about so many things, um, but I have to be mindful of your time. Thank you. Thank you once again, um, you know, for sharing your dynamite self with me and toodaloo for now. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Amber. I appreciate you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.